Welcome to the Gut360 podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Breacher, a registered associate nutritionist on a mission to empower you to transform the health of your mind, body, and gut. This podcast is the place where we share nutrition tips, mindset tools, and actionable steps to help you thrive on your journey to a healthier gut and a happier you. If you're ready to get into the driver's seat of your own health and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place, and I am so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Gut360 podcast. I hope you're all having an amazing start to 2024. I'm back with your weekly dose of Monday morning inspiration and education to help you take back control of your gut health. We have such a fascinating topic for today's episode. We're talking all about how to banish bloating for good. And I know this one will be valuable for so many of you. We know that bloating affects one in five of us. Many people aren't even really aware of it, but when they think about it, they do notice that feeling of their jeans being a bit tighter by the end of the day. So you know the drill, put your trainers on, put your AirPods in and head out for a little walk so you can get your steps in while you listen to today's episode. That's always my favorite way to listen to a podcast. If you're currently driving or cooking at home or wherever you are, just enjoy and I hope you find this episode really useful and learn something new today. Before we get started, I want to ask you, are you someone who struggles with bloating no matter how many things you've tried? Are you that person who subtly unzips your jeans at the dinner table as your stomach expands or maybe even before you've started eating just in preparation and anticipation of the inevitable bloating that could strike at any moment? Do you often feel uncomfortable physically and perhaps mentally too as you look in the mirror at the end of the day to see a belly that could easily be six months pregnant? I know what it's like because I've been there. I used to struggle with the worst bloating all the time and I honestly thought I was going to be cursed with it for the rest of my life until I started learning some of the tips and tricks that I'll be sharing in today's episode. Bloating is that feeling of increased abdominal pressure, and I often get asked, is bloating normal? So the answer to that is a bit of bloating after a heavy meal can be normal and very common, but persistent, uncomfortable bloating is actually not normal. For some people, bloating can be very visible. Often when clients first come to me, they'll say that their stomach swells up like a balloon by the end of the day, but then others just experience that physical feeling of bloating, but they don't actually see any visible distension of their stomach. When it comes to how to reduce bloating, that will depend on what's causing it. And when we consider the causes, there really are so many factors at play. So in today's episode, we're going to look at 17 sneaky reasons why you're actually bloated rather than why you think you might be. Let's get started. The first five possible causes of bloating that I'm going to list all come under the category of swallowed air or trapped air and there are lots of hidden ways that this can happen without you even realizing it. The first one is fizzy drinks. So any carbonated drinks, even sparkling water, the air bubbles can get trapped in your gut and make you feel bloated. Then we've got other simple things like sipping through a straw, chewing gum or sucking on hard sweets, eating too fast, you can really end up swallowing lots of trapped air if you're guzzling your food down really quickly. And the same applies with drinks. So when we gulp down drinks, air enters our body. So all five of those potential causes fall under trapped air. Now the next category to consider is stress, which is a huge contributor to digestive issues. 
If you're someone who experiences high stress levels, especially while you're eating, this can result in bloating because our body can be in that state of fight or flight. And basically the brain is rewiring its activities to prepare your body to fight off a threat like running from a tiger or a bear. So it diverts blood flow away from the gut and towards the muscles instead. And often it will stop sending signals to produce digestive enzymes, stomach acid, bile, and other digestive juices required to break down foods. And that brings us on to the eighth possible cause of bloating, which is eating on the go. Essentially, the same thing is happening here, but this time it's perceived stress rather than actual stress. So if we're not being present, we're rushing our meals, eating a sandwich while walking back to the office at lunchtime, which as well as sending you into fight or flight again, will also cause you to swallow more air. So that one really is a double whammy. I always encourage my clients to slow down and eat mindfully. So take a few deep breaths before each meal, sit at the table and avoid distractions at mealtimes like eating in front of your laptop. This technique of mindful eating is a really simple trick that can actually go a long way to stimulating the digestive process and in turn reducing bloating. Then there's the mechanical side of not breaking down food properly, which is the eighth possible cause of bloating. So eating very large quantities of food, having a big heavy dinner, regardless of what the food is, or just not chewing well, I really would say challenge yourself to take smaller bites at a time and chew your food until it's almost a liquid. You want to be aiming for the consistency of apple sauce before you swallow. I'd say aim for half the bite and double the chew. So much smaller bits of food in your mouth and chewing for much longer than you currently are. And then we also need to consider constipation as the ninth possible cause of bloating. Now, constipation can lead to holding on to gas or excess air in the intestines, abdominal distension and discomfort. And in my experience as a nutritionist, constipation is actually the number one cause of gas and bloating, definitely the most common among my clients. So if you are someone who tends to suffer from constipation, there's a very high likelihood that you'll also experience bloating. If you can remedy that constipation and get your bowels more regular, bloating typically goes away. So at this point, it's worth mentioning, I really would encourage you to reach out to a nutritionist, one who specializes in gut health, who can help you become more regular, have a healthier digestive system, and in turn, reduce your bloating. And this is where I often get asked about fiber, which is the 10th possible cause of bloating. Now, fiber is an interesting one, and anyone who knows me or follows me on Instagram will know that I am a huge advocate of fiber. It's amazing for our health, and people who experience mild constipation will often benefit from gradually incorporating a bit more fiber into their diets. The issue is people who experience more severe forms of constipation often find that fiber actually makes their symptoms worse. So it's not that fiber is bad in and of itself, but as a nutritionist, what I would do is focus on getting your bowels moving first in a healthy way before increasing your fiber intake. And on that topic, when starting to incorporate more healthy high fiber foods like broccoli, kale, beans, or lentils, it's important to understand that your body may take some time to adapt to this adjustment in your fiber intake. So if you do notice that these types of food make you more bloated, the key is to start really slow and gradually build up your tolerance. Ideally, don't exclude them. Diversity is amazing for a healthy gut microbiome, which we'll talk more about soon. And those gut bugs thrive off the variety of plant-based foods that we feed them. The next category to think about is our food choices. 
Certain foods are more likely to lead to bloating. And before we delve into how our food choices can affect our bloating, I just wanted to let you know that if you do struggle with bloating and gut health in general, you might want to take a look at the free download on my website called Five Steps to Transform Your Gut Health. I'll leave a link for the free ebook in the show notes below. So you can go straight there and you'll also be able to see all my other free downloads, like my seven days of gut healthy breakfasts and my go-to healthy shopping list that I share with my clients. Now, number 11 is food sensitivities. So for example, you may be sensitive to lactose, which is a sugar found in dairy products. If your body doesn't produce enough of the specific enzyme that breaks down lactose, the enzyme is called lactase, then you may experience bloating and other GI symptoms. Around 70% of people actually struggle to produce enough of this enzyme. That doesn't mean that they're all allergic to dairy or lactose or can't ever have any, but often it just means that there's a threshold, so a certain amount that they can tolerate. And then when they consume more than this amount that their body is capable of breaking down, that's when the GI symptoms will kick in. So you might find that lowering your intake of lactose-containing foods may help to improve your symptoms. Following on from that, the 12th possible cause of bloating is something called FODMAPs. And you might have heard of the low FODMAP diet. FODMAP is basically an acronym for various types of carbohydrates that can resist digestion. So instead of being absorbed into your bloodstream, they reach the far end of your intestine where most of your gut bacteria live. And your gut bacteria then use these carbs for fuel, producing gas and causing digestive symptoms in some people who are sensitive. So some people with digestive issues can benefit from reducing these in their diet, particularly those with IBS. Although having said that, it's not the cure or the magic pill that people sometimes talk about it as. Foods that are high in FODMAPs include grains like wheat, beans and legumes, and sugar alcohols, which are a type of sweetener to name a few. Which leads us nicely onto our next common culprit behind bloating, and that's artificial sweeteners, particularly those sugar alcohols like sorbitol and xylitol. They're not absorbed into our bodies, so they're calorie-free, but they still come into contact with our gut microbes. And they can have different effects on our digestive system and trigger gut symptoms in some people. So these sweeteners and sugar alcohols are commonly found in foods with what I like to call a health halo. Foods that are marketed as being really healthy or sugar-free, like many protein powders and protein bars and other so-called healthy snacks. So please make sure you're always reading the ingredients. Forget what it says on the front of the packet, sugar-free, high protein. Turn it over to the back of the pack and check what's actually in there. And if you are prone to bloating, then I would definitely recommend eliminating these for a few weeks and then see how you feel. Number 14 is a struggling gut microbiome. So we touched on this briefly earlier when we mentioned too much fiber. And the gut microbiome is the collection of trillions of bacteria and organisms that live inside our guts. And they play a really important role in digesting our foods, particularly with high fiber foods. But when the gut microbiome is impaired or out of balance, it might struggle to digest food and this can lead to bloating. So paying attention to nourishing our gut microbiome and really focusing on eating for good gut health is going to be key here. The next one is irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, which affects up to one in five people in the UK. 
Within IBS, there can be a lot of different possible triggers to consider and different factors at play here. So if you do struggle with IBS and need some guidance, I would really encourage you to reach out to a nutritionist who can offer you some personalized advice because everyone with IBS is so different. Number 16 is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO as it's known. Now SIBO actually affects up to 80% of those with IBS. So it's quite common and it occurs when there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. So the small intestine shouldn't normally have large amounts of microbes and bacteria. These are usually in our large intestine. But when there's an overgrowth here, these bacteria can start to eat the carbohydrates in your small intestine and they produce gas. And gas in your small intestine may take a long time to come out and then that can really add to bloating. And you might also get things like abdominal pain from the stretching of the intestines. And last but not least, the 17th thing to consider when it comes to bloating is gynecological issues. So things like endometriosis. And in this same category, it's worth mentioning that it could also be linked to PMS. So if you're in the luteal phase of your cycle, meaning the second half and your period's due in the next one to two weeks, bloating can be quite common. Research actually suggests that changes in the levels of our hormones, progesterone and estrogen, cause the body to hold on to more water and salt. And this means that the body cells can become swollen with water, causing that feeling of bloating. So this is a time to be mindful of your salt intake. Make sure you're eating plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables and also drinking lots of water to help reduce this. So to summarize the above, if you're someone who struggles with bloating and you're not sure how to reduce this bloating, the first thing you need to do is pinpoint the cause. And some quick questions to ask yourself are, do you sip through straws? Do you chew gum or drink lots of fizzy drinks? Do you tend to guzzle your food down really quickly? Do you get constipated often? Do you eat large amounts of foods that are known to cause bloating? Are you someone who gets particularly stressed a lot of the time? Do you have a history of IBS or damage to the gut microbiome? Where in your cycle are you currently? And do you tend to only get bloated just before your period's due? And answering these questions will help to identify the root cause of what's actually triggering your symptoms, which can then enable you to create a more personalized plan to effectively tackle not just your symptoms, but the real root cause of them. So that might involve layering on a more targeted approach, whether it's supplements, medication, specific food changes and lifestyle changes. I really want to emphasize that it's so important to zoom out and look at the whole picture. There's a lot to it, but rather than thinking of that as overwhelming or confusing, the way I see it is that there are so many opportunities and different aspects to work on to improve your bloating. So if you've addressed one or two of these areas already with no luck, there's still so much more that can be done. So many people are suffering and in pain and honestly really desperate, but... There is this whole toolkit full of tools that don't cost much. Sometimes you just need to rethink your approach to your gut health. Now, before I bring this podcast to a close, please keep in mind that persistent bloating could be a sign of something more serious. So please do speak to your GP if this is a concern. And if you struggle with your gut health, it really is advisable to work with a healthcare professional like a nutritionist who can provide you with that personalized guidance that can support you on your health journey and address any issues that you may be facing with your nutrition. 
Remember, improving your gut health takes time. It's not an overnight quick fix and everyone responds individually to different foods. Also, just a reminder that none of the things we've discussed today should be taken as medical advice. And it's really important to approach these actions as part of a comprehensive and personalized plan, looking at what's going on for you as an individual. And then we can build these personalized plans based on your specific needs and under the guidance of a qualified nutritionist. Right, that was a lot of information in today's episode, so I'll leave it there, and I hope you found this episode really helpful. If you did, I would be so grateful if you could rate and leave a review wherever you're listening to this. This really helps my podcast to reach more people and helps with my mission to empower more people to transform their health and also build a special community of people who are ready to take back control of their gut health. If you have any questions about today's episode or want to chat to me about any of the topics we've talked about, I would love to hear from you. So come and connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at Ellie Breacher Nutrition. My Instagram DMs are always open. So feel free to drop me a message to let me know what you thought of today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead and I'll be back in your ears next Monday. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Gut360 podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or learned something new, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And make sure you hit follow for weekly episodes every Monday morning. Do share this podcast with anyone who you think it may benefit. And for your chance to win a free online nutrition consultation with me, just take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging at Ellie Breach and Nutrition.